The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hi, this is TCO, the French-Canadian Frankenstein, Ring of Honor superstar, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. What's up, guys? This is not your standard edition of Top Rope Nation this week. In fact, you are getting a preview of what we do over on our Patreon page. This is Top Rope Nation Classics. We are posting a little of this to our regular podcast feed, so some of you guys can tune in and see what we do over on Patreon and uh, hopefully get enticed to check us out over there at patreon.com slash Nation. We are going back in time this week. Justin and Kyle talking about one of the more famous episodes in the history of WWE Raw. Uh, This was a game changer, April 1998. This is the first time that Raw beat Nitro in the ratings in 83 weeks. And uh, it was a super hyped up show. The crowd is hot. Uh, It builds towards what was supposed to be a, a huge main event. So before we get to that, what we like to do on these Top Rope Nation classic shows is kind of just uh, you know set the stage for what was going on in 1998, and uh, we will do that here in just a minute, but I do want to welcome Justin Joint and Kyle Ross to the show. Justin, before we go back to 98, how's your week going this week in 2020? Uh, I'm, you know, it's a pretty good week. I'm, I'm really excited for the debut of our new segment uh kyle ross fantasy books randy orton as a monster that should be good (laughs) i'm excited to see what he does this week (laughs) yes kyle your thoughts on that look man (laughs) it's not my fault you don't want wrestlemania 24 to be good okay (laughs) all right uh it was a great show last week by the way that's what justin is referencing okay so i learned something this week guys want to know what i learned you know, we should all be learning things during this unprecedented time in history. But I learned one very specific thing this week. Want to know what it is? Let's hear it. You shouldn't make fun of Mumford and Sons 
if it turns out <laughs> the person you're talking to might like Mumford and Sons. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> it's from our text thread. Um, was that last night? Yeah, last night. Guys, if you do become a patron of the show, you get some of this backstage talk <laughs> between us. Uh, we do a pre-show each and every week before we record the flagship broadcast. I post that to Patreon. You get our show notes each and every week. You, of course, get the bonus podcast which we are about to dive into here top rope nation classics and top rope nation extra i believe there are almost 20 exclusive shows now on our patreon page so if you sign up you can go back and and listen to those they're not based on current events it's classic talk typically uh so you know you can listen to them anytime and it's it's like when we first released them Uh, top rope nation classics we've done these full show reviews We've talked about Super Brawl 2, SummerSlam 91, uh, SummerSlam 97, Backlash 2002. We did a watch-along with 1981 Memphis Wrestling. All kinds of shows, bonus podcasts. If you like what we do on the flagship each and every week, you're going to love Top Rope Nation Classics. And to prove it to you, I'm bringing back a popular aspect of our Patreon page this week. And that is, actually I should say this month, that is the free t-shirt gimmick that's right guys if you sign up for our patreon page at the five dollar a month tier in the month of may you will get a free top rope nation t-shirt sent to you in the mail i've done this occasionally in the past Uh, it's been about a year since i've done this and i have to say most of the people that have signed up for our patreon page and tried it out to get the free t-shirt have stuck around a lot of our current patrons signed up on the t-shirt bonus and they liked what they heard We think you would, too. So if you give us a shot, you hear this full show that you're about to get a preview of here on a regular feed, as well as all those past shows. Check it out over at patreon.com slash Nation. We'd love to have your support. Check out Top Rope Nation Classics in its entirety each and every month. So, guys, uh, yeah, 2020 wrestling, it's kind of, I mean, there's still shows happening, but it, it is not the most exciting time in the world of wrestling right now with, with the shows going on in the empty arenas and stuff. And so it was actually Kyle's idea last week, and if you're a patron, you heard this on the pre-show last week, that we would uh, present solely a Top Rope Nation classic episode this week. And we're going back to 1998, like I said. And so to set the stage for 1998, let's just talk about the state of our wrestling fandom. You know, what... Where, where were you at in your life? Um, what do you think of when you think about 1998 wrestling? Uh, let's start with Justin Joint. What was going on in your life in the spring of 1998? Well, I was 17, a junior in high school. Uh, I was a clerk at Kmart. Um, and I was very into typo negative along with corn. And of course, uh, there was the recently released Yield album from Pearl Jam. So that's. I was really digging into all those stuff. Um, as far as wrestling goes, I mean, obviously this was a really, you know, hot time to be a fan. Um, I think I was actually leaning more WCW these days. I was still kind of reeling from what they were or not doing with Bret Hart. Um, but I, I was really into Jericho and uh, kind of, I, I don't know if I should even admit this, a pretty big fan of Raven's Flock. Oh, yeah. I loved Raven's flock in the uh, N64 games. Love playing as Raven with the even flow. Uh, or, uh, Kyle, what about you, 1998? What was going on in, in, in your neck of the woods over in Ohio? 
I was a high school senior getting ready to graduate, move on to Ohio University. Uh, wrestling fandom-wise, wow. Uh, couldn't have been stronger, I feel, at the time. And what I remember about this time period was just kind of sitting back and be like, is wrestling popular? <laughs> because just a month previous, I, I mentioned this on the show before, my buddy Matt, he would have pay-per-view parties over his house. And for WrestleMania, like people around school knew that we had gotten these pay-per-views and these parties had grown steadily um, throughout the back half of 97. But there were people like I didn't even like really talk to or hang out with just randomly showing up at our WrestleMania 14 party. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it was like 30 people in this dude's basement watching WrestleMania. And I was just like, wow, wrestling is cool again, I guess. And as far as what I preferred WWF for WCW, I had solidly turned to WWF by this point in April. When you go back and look at the 1998 timeline, it is astounding how that switch just kind of flipped in WWF's favor. They had not won the ratings until this week that we're going to talk about April 13th, but man, WCW blowing Starcade, their biggest show ever. You can trace it back to that. And all of a sudden WWF got like second life and just got really hot with Austin at the start of 98 and never looked back. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, t- you talking about how hot wrestling was here. Um, I had like one good friend who was casually into really, I think he just watched because of I did, but I remember one time I, I had a girlfriend and went over to her house and her entire family, uh, sat in the living room to watch nitro. And so there I am sitting next to my girlfriend watching nitro. I was in freaking heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of had a similar, uh, circumstance, I think with my friends too. I, I was, let's see the spring of 98. I was actually in eighth grade. Uh, and wow. yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I felt like the previous few years I was getting really hardcore into wrestling, but kind of, kind of like you said, Kai, I only had like one or two friends that were really into it. And it was around this time period that a lot of people at school started talking about it. And we started to have pay-per-view parties and guys that I played with on the basketball team and stuff that I never knew like were into wrestling at all started getting into it. They probably weren't into wrestling before this time period. And yeah, it would be like a big social gathering that had never happened before, you know, two years earlier that would have kind of blown my mind to think of that happening. And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a different time. That is for sure. And, and, uh, since then, I don't really think there's, there hasn't really been a time like that in wrestling where it's been no. popular like that whatsoever. It was, it was, the first time I remember people wearing like wrestling t-shirts to school around this time. And yeah, it was, it was a hot topic among everyone. I would actually kind of have to echo what Justin said. I love WWF and I, I always was tuning in weekly, of course, but I was kind of leaning WCW at this point too, just because of the Bret Hart. I was such a huge Bret Hart fan and Bret had gone to WCW at this point. So I was kind of tuning in. Are you guys misremembering? Like, did you really still care about Bret Hart by April of 1998? I, I did because I was hoping they would do something with him. Of course, okay. he wasn't doing much. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, he was in the company. So even now, looking back, I would have to say I prefer 97 WWF to 98. Oh, yeah. 98 is, is it, way more popular at the time. But uh, 97, I was way more into WWF. I think I've talked about this in our classic shows at the time in the past. But... 
I would often watch WWF Raw, and my dad would be watching Nitro, like, on a different floor of the house. And this was around the time where, like, we started watching the same show um, with the old picture-in-picture that we had on his TV. But, like, he would always lean WCW because the older guys were on that. And I was starting to lean a little WCW, but, uh, yeah, it was... no doubt WWF was putting out better shows at this point nope. in time. Part part of my problem was I don't I, I don't think it's just with wrestling. It might be with other stuff too, where if I like something or love something, and then all of a sudden like everybody else does, I kind of throw a pity party and I'll kind of shit on a little bit. And that's kind of how I was with uh Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's like, I loved the stunning Steve character. I actually kind of dug Ringmaster. And all of a sudden, he was super popular. And, you know, like sometimes things are get really popular. It's like you kind of become too cool for it. Mm. Um, and then there was the aspect of like, I guess I I was kind of angry that Bret Hart didn't get that kind of love too. Which, you know, obviously, you know, looking back now, I, I understand why and whatnot. But I, I was just a little bit more of a, a mark back then. Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of like the band thing, you know, like I liked the band yes. before they were popular yep. and now that they're popular and everyone likes them, well, I don't want to like them anymore. <laughs> kind, of. kind of like Kyle with uh, Mumford and Sons. It felt like everyone was coming around. Yeah, it felt like everyone was coming <laughs> around late. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember kind of feeling that way too, Justin. Like I was thinking at school, where were you guys like a year and a half ago when Steve Austin was just coming on at WWF, you know, and was awesome. None of you guys were talking about him then. Yeah. Now you guys are all into him. But interestingly, those those school the parties with my schoolmates that I would go to to order the pay per views, they were pretty much always WCW pay per views. Even in '98, like I remember watching Uncensored '98 at one of those house parties. So this was like I know WWF had not achieved its peak of popularity, but this was like I think industry wide maybe its peak of popularity this, during this time because. Yeah, when our pay-per-view party started, they were almost exclusively WCW in 97. Yeah. Or not. Like, I think we got together, maybe not all of them, but almost all of them in 97. And it was only like the sporadic WWF pay-per-view. Because remember, as good as WWF was in 97, and it is while it's aged significantly better than 98 and 99, the pay-per-views in 97 actually weren't that great, with the exception of Canadian Stampede which wasn't a very um, popular pay-per-view at the time. Like it yeah. critically it did well, but I mean, it wasn't like it was, you know, some financial mm. uh, blockbuster, but once 98 turned again, I remember, you know, I think I told the story on the show before that, like star K 97, a lot of people were just like left pissed. Like, what was that? Mm. And then once 98 hit the pay-per-view parties, we were doubling. Like we got, I remember watching Royal rumble sold out, Super Brawl, No Way Out, WrestleMania, Uncensored, Unforgiven. Uh, what did WCW do in April? Spring Stampede. Like, we were doing them both. Like, twice a month there was a pay-per-view party at this dude's house. Hmm. Um, I'll never forget one of my good buddies, uh, Mike, putting a freshman who came over because my buddy is younger brother was a freshman in high school so some of his buddies came over too and this random freshman walked over and my buddy like put him through the drywall for like no reason <laughs> oh, jesus peak 1998 <laughs> we need more wow. of that now <laughs> yeah hey to your point 97 wwf pay-per-views check it out in the archives top rope nation classic SummerSlam 97 we reviewed that one 
uh, over on our Patreon, and you can hear, I think, the first 15 minutes on our, on our regular feed. If you search back to, oh, I guess that was probably about a year ago we did that show, I think. But uh, yeah, that was a fun one, and, and we talk about the pay-per-view quality of 97 WWF um, during that. So before we set the stage here, we're going to go through some basic facts about the year and then get to the show itself. we got to get some housekeeping items out of the way. Uh, if you are listening on a regular feed, we will be back to the flagship show next week talking about 2020 pro wrestling. So make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to your podcast. You leave us that five-star rating. Leave us a written review so we can read it on the show and of course we are presented by the blue wire podcasting network check out bluewirepods.com for all of our friends whether it's basketball baseball hockey football entertainment blue wire pods has the show for you so check them out we do have to mention here we have a new sponsor this week which kyle is going to talk about in a minute but before we get to that one we have to talk about uh one of our longtime sponsors of the show now, I guess I should say. We've been talking about them for over a month now, and that is our good friends over at Bet Online. So, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, and you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution and kyle would you like to tell the listeners about our brand new sponsor oh i would <laughs> let's get to it shall we it's sexual and i want to give it all to you yeah right on guys look at the last longer and go a few extra rounds then get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got these same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Good for me. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. There's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Can you imagine if if Blue Chew was around in the days of Degeneration X? That would have made for some great television. Yeah, a lot of well, we got the squirt gun. That's true. I was. Did they do the? I felt like the Viagra commercials were starting around that time, weren't they? Yeah, because I remember Jim Rome making fun of them. 
like the tire swing one where the you know, they the the old guy in the backyard trying to throw the football through the tire swing and he <laughs> yes. couldn't get it through the tire swing then he popped a few Cialises and he like just couldn't miss he was just throwing the ball right through the hole that was right around this time with all that starting to happen and you had the Clinton impeachment trial on TV and uh, oh man. Yeah, different times were coming for television. But uh, yeah, check out Blue Chew, guys, because unlike those two other companies Kyle just mentioned, it's more discreet details over at BlueChew.com. So to set the stage, 1998, I just mentioned him. Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. Al Gore, his vice president. Uh, Titanic won Best Picture that spring at the Oscars. Some of the other movies that were nominated for Oscars that year included As Good As It Gets, The Full Monty. Now, that's a great movie. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, another really good movie, and L.A. Confidential. Uh, just, uh, God, it was it would have been about what uh, two months before this show, Super Bowl Thirty Two, the Denver Broncos defeated the Green Bay Packers thirty one to twenty four. And hey, this is newsworthy for right now. The Chicago Bulls were in the midst of the Last Dance, as ESPN is talking about each and every Sunday night as we record this. Uh, Two months later, they would defeat the Utah Jazz four games of two for their sixth NBA championship. In the Stanley Cup that year, you had the Detroit Red Wings over the Washington Capitals, a four-game sweep. And uh, the previous fall, the most recent World Series going into this show, the fall of 97, the Florida Marlins uh, defeated the Cleveland Indians in a seven-game series. And, of course, in 1998, the summer of 98, had the home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, which got a lot of people back into baseball. A gallon of gas in 1998 would uh, set you at $1.15. We had an average new home cost of $152,000. That sounds pretty good right now. And the number one song of the week in April of 1998, April 13th to be exact, and maybe Justin was jamming out with his girlfriend to this one, All My Life by Casey and JoJo. <laughs> Who could forget that song, Justin Joint? There's a classic. I think I think that was on the first Now album, if I remember right. I think I had that one. Now they're like on Now 250 or something, if they even still make it. But uh, you know, yeah. you you mentioned that the Cleveland Indians lost the previous World Series. Do you know what else happened that same night? Very pertinent to what we just discussed. Kyle Ross lost his virginity. No, that hadn't happened quite yet. <laughs> Couple, we were a couple months away, but thank you for playing at home. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that would have been relevant to what we just spoke of. <laughs> That's what ago. I thought the okay, tie-in was going to be, you know, man. I thought a I few had more it. moments ago than that. Uh, you want to talk about WCW pay-per-view parties? That was the same night as Halloween Havoc 97. I remember that because, to show you, um, even though I love sports, um, I'm not a huge hometown guy. I really don't have favorite teams, much like I don't have favorite wrestlers. I just like things that are good. And I remember the Indians blew that game seven of the World Series. A lot of people were upset. I look over at my buddy. I'm like, hey, what we throw on this replay of Halloween Havoc that's coming up, man. <laughs> there you go. Watched it. Eddie and Ray that night. Oh, yeah. Awesome match. So that's the stage. It's April of 1998. And as we do, fellas, I think it is time to step into that time machine to go back to Monday, April 13th, 1998.
So Raw is live on April 13th, 98 from the Core State Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One year later, this same venue would host WrestleMania 15. They got a full house, 14,280 fans that night for Raw. As I mentioned at the start of this broadcast, super hot crowd. And this was the show where Raw finally defeated Nitro. I think for people that weren't watching at the time, it might be kind of surprising that uh, even through the build of WrestleMania 14 and, and Mike Tyson and all that was happening there, Raw still hadn't topped Nitro in the ratings. In fact, Nitro's 83-week win streak started June 17th. 1996 and it just kind of seemed like it was inevitable each and every week that nitro was going to win the ratings and this is where the things finally switch in wwf's favor uh, do you guys remember hearing about television ratings at all uh during this period justin nope like they would kind of mention i guess on air the broadcasters here and there but it wasn't like today where uh you know everyone's checking the news sites or anything of course the internet was around but I don't remember being as glued to the ratings back then. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I remember them making a big deal about it online. I checked out the news with a Z sites back then. <laughs> I suppose the um, you know the the first ones to the punch. Yeah. Um, I you know though it felt like this was coming for weeks. While they hadn't been able to beat them, you talked about the build to WrestleMania 14, which was just so outstanding, one of the best builds of any WrestleMania uh, in history. It felt like it was only a matter of time because WCW, believe it or not, people don't what this has been lost to time. They don't want to people don't remember this. They had their best year in 98 financially, mm-hmm. WCW. Uh, because they had two of their three biggest pay-per-views ever, Bash at the Beach. Uh, with the Rodman Malone deal, then Starcade uh, with Nash and Goldberg. But the writing was kind of starting to get on the wall for WCW in this spring period. They didn't do a clean split of the NWO like they needed to. Uh, Hogan was overexposing himself left and right on Nitro. And Raw was just the better program during this period mm-hmm. and it to me it was just a matter of time that they beat them and you know why did they beat them this week we're going to get into it obviously in great detail but they did a superb job of hyping uh something that you know six months three months even earlier would have been considered unfathomable yeah that is for sure so as far as the ratings go, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because for those of you who you know follow the ratings these days with WWE and AEW and NXT and all of that, ratings were kind of reported in a different way back then. Uh, so when we got the ratings figures back then, it was like more of an overall ratings figure and, and a rating share. Today, we're tending to look at uh, the demographic ratings. You know, if you follow SmackDown and Raw's ratings each and every week, people are talking about the 18 to 49 uh, demo ratings. You can still get the overall rating number, uh, but it's a little bit harder to find. Nobody's really reporting on that, at least on the wrestling sites right now. But uh, in the spring of 98, uh, this Raw show did a 4.63 rating and a 7.10 share. And what that means is 4.63, the overall rating, that's a percentage of people that had access to the channel. That doesn't mean that they were actually tuned in that night. Just if you had the ability to turn in, tune into the USA Network, uh, 4.63% of the American public that had the ability to were watching Raw that night. 
The show did a 7.1 share. That figure comes from the amount of people that actually had their TVs on as the show was airing. So if you think about Monday, April 13th, 98, of all the people watching television in the United States, 7.1% of them were 7.10% of them were tuned into Raw. Nitro did a 4.34 rating and a 6.97 share. So if we round that together, about 14% of the US viewing public that had their TVs on that night were watching professional wrestling on Monday, April 13th. That's pretty crazy. To be alive. <laughs> 14% of the people watching television that Monday night were watching professional wrestling to show you how far <laughs> wrestling viewership has fallen, you know, coming into uh, to 2020 where we're talking about an 18 to 49 demo rating for SmackDown drawing like a 0.60, you know, less than 1%. So, yeah, I mean, wrestling was super hot. Raw won the night, but total 14% of the viewing public watching wrestling. That kind of blows me away. So, uh, Nitro that night was in Minneapolis. This is kind of interesting. So, uh, this is when all of the Ric Flair, Eric Bischoff stuff was starting. Justin actually watched some of Nitro in preparation uh, for this show. I think he has it on the background right now. As we record, uh, I did a little research in the old Wrestling Observer newsletters from '98. And I know Kyle did too. <laughs> so Nitro's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is, of course, you know, the hometown of Ric Flair. That's where that's the area he grew up, and uh, it was declared Ric Flair Day. He wasn't even on the show because it was the previous Thursday during WCW Thunder that Flair had the argument with uh, Bischoff, and he no showed Thunder. He didn't think he was needed that night. Bischoff had other ideas. Uh, Flair was supposed to be there to reform the four horse four horsemen, but in fact, Flair went to watch his son Reed wrestle in a national tournament, and this started all that hatred between Bischoff and Flair. Did Did you read about this, Kyle? Yeah. And Justin, do you remember hearing about this years later? I I, I know about the the general kerfuffle between him and Bischoff, but no, not not those specifics, especially yeah. not in relation to this show. Yeah, I I was I didn't know it was like when Raw turned the tide that this all happened. It kind of surprised me doing the research for this. And, Do you uh, know the story? Because we're going to talk about how they're building to Unforgiven in a couple weeks. WWF that is. Do you know the story about? And that was in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Do you know the story about that night that Ric Flair was actually circling the building in a car, and WWF was aware of it and was trying to figure out like a legal way where maybe he could show up on the pay-per-view. I did not know about that. Yeah. I mean, wow. it, it was, I mean, it got, it got real. And that whole horseman reunion thing, by the way, Bill Gold- if you want to hear the rest of this show, head on over to patreoncom slash top rope nation, sign up five bucks a month, gets you a free t-shirt and access to this show and all editions of top rope nation classics in the past and in the future. We'd love to have your support. We'd love to send you a free t-shirt. So head on over there, patreon.com slash Nation. 